I did not think that I would be as affected as I am, as someone that works on the floor, and I'm sure that there's so many other people in hospitality that feel this way. I feel like my skills are not useful, I guess, in the same sense. Um, I can't serve people, I can't run them through the menu and make their nights. But yeah, I guess I really kind of missed that connection and I didn't realize how lucky I was and how much I loved that job until it wasn't my job anymore. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Imagine learning your trade in some of the best restaurants the country has ever produced. In doing so, you build up the skills and the bravery to realise your dream. Opening your very own restaurant. In your first year of trade, you not only become a hub of the community, you grab the attention of the food media and make the top 10 list of the nation's best restaurants. But before you can catch your breath, a global pandemic turns everything on its head. Dash Rumble together with a partner, Ross McQuinn, opened pilot in the leafy suburb of Ainsley in the nation's capital, Canberra. Together with the clever young chef in Malcolm Hanslow, they gave Canberra a taste of the new wave of dining. Dash Rumble, you're with us now. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. Before we get to sort of the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and how it's affected uh, your business. Uh, do you want to just take us on a little journey on and just tell us how Pilot started? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess Ross, I and Mal met at a, re- met at a restaurant called uh, 86 in, in Braddon um, and then we worked there for a couple of years. We all went our separate ways uh, and then we, we all kind of realised that we wanted to do something at some point. Um, and I was working in Sydney at the time, so was Mal and Ross uh, had just finished up at Pop Kitchen and was making gin at uh, Underground Spirits and then he was like, let's just do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we decided to open Pilot in, in Ainsley in the old Pop Kitchen site. We bought it off Gus who who had had owned it and owns 86 at the moment. Um, yeah, and it just kind of all happened, I guess. So what was your vision of the restaurant? And is this – so a self-funded restaurant. This is your, obviously the first endeavor, hence the name Pilot. Yeah. Um, do you want to just tell us a bit about you know what the plan was with the restaurant? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I guess we just wanted to do something that we couldn't find in Canberra. Like whenever we wanted to to eat out and experience things, we'd kind of make our way to Sydney and and go to so many restaurants that we think were amazing and who we wanted to be like and um, Canberra's great and we do have so many restaurants here, but we thought that we could kind of add to that scene and do something um, something that had our own kind of um, our own version of like what we thought a, an awesome restaurant would be. So, um, I mean, Mal does does an amazing job with the food. He, he works with a lot of local producers like so many people do at the moment. Um, his food's presented really simply, but it's so complex and he thinks, thinks about things, you know, crazy way <laughs> um I guess in terms of like the the style of service we we wanted to use in like all Australian wine list um and do do a food pairing uh, sorry do a wine pairing that was um 
interesting and fun, but not like crazy expensive. We're not, I'm not a sommelier, but we just wanted to make something fun and enjoyable, I guess, that we thought that Canberra needed. And do you want to just tell us, I mean, this is your first year of trade, you know, what, what was the first year like for you guys? Because you've got a lot of press and um, a lot of acknowledgement, you know, what, what do you, can you tell us a bit about that ride? Yeah. Um, so the first few months were interesting. <laughs> um, there, there's, there was lots of ups and downs, let's be honest, like any new business, um, kind of a funny story from um, some of the first few months was I was coming back from a funeral. Um, it was a Wednesday night and Ross had messaged me and said, Hey, look, um, I've seen that John Lethlane is in town. You're going to have to come. And I was like, okay, cool. But all right. <laughs> Wasn't in the best mental state. Um, but anyway, got to the restaurant. Um, and we'd only had like six people booked that night as you do when you're at a new restaurant. So we had to call in all our mates, um, <laughs> to come and fill the room. <laughs> and the funny thing is the first line in that, review that he wrote was describing our mate Joel who rocked up in a beanie and Birkenstocks and socks <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny um but yeah like I guess in terms of like the press side of things everyone was has been so great I guess um we were so overwhelmed and surprised that people kind of understood and enjoyed our vision and it's it's really humbling to see that like people actually come and think that we're good at what we do, which is awesome. Um, another little funny, I guess it's a little bit sad, but we laugh at it now. Um, we were coming back from a, a pop-up that we were doing a baby face in Wollongong. Um, so we were shut for the Wednesday. We were opening on the Thursday. We had four people booked. Um, one of those tables cancelled. Uh, and that was the day that Gourmet Traveller released their two-page spread on, on us saying that, you know, how amazing we were and that was awesome. But then that second table cancelled as well. So Mal went over to Ainsley Cellars and bought a six pack of Rodenbacks and then we ate the roast chicken that we um, cooked up for that service and <laughs> had a bit of a laugh and went home and shot the restaurant that night. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, coming from those early days, I guess we still are in the early days. We've, we've grown a lot and... Um, We've got an awesome customer base and community that um, supported us and continue to support us through this time, which is which is really cool. And I guess you kind of were on a you know a bit of a roll. You know, you opened your first restaurant; it was doing really well after some challenges, and then a global pandemic arrives. Um, yeah. Do you want to just tell us about that sort of the first month and sort of when you noticed the impact on your business and and those first couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, when it started to get a little bit more serious in terms of like thinking about how it was going to affect our business, we, uh, both Ross and I was kind of struggling with the, the moral, I guess, predicament of being what's best for the business, what's best for people in general. You know, we have a business where we do serve uh, quite a lot of people that are in a small space and we don't want to be the reason that anybody gets sick or um, we've also got a voice and um, you know people we need to set a good example so how do we how do we do this in the best way possible the and then they released that we could only have one person every um, 
four square meters. And then um, we were reducing the numbers of co customers in, in the restaurant, but all we could think about was I think that we should just do do takeaway or shut for a little bit and then figure out what we want to do because this is a lot more serious than we thought it was two months ago, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, so then we, we shut for a couple of days. We all had a big chat, thought about what's the best way to kind of tackle this. And I think at the end of the day, all we wanted to do was just make sure that we were all uh, still in our jobs. You know, how can we keep all our staff employed, um, even including our, because all of our floor staff are, are all casual as well. How do we protect them? Um, lots of those lots of those um, staff live out of home. So um, it's a lot of pressure when you open a business to understand that you are providing someone with a wage so that they can live. And then when something like this happens, it's kind of like, oh, well, now there's, there's a lot more pressure on that. And how do I, how do I keep them, you know, safe and us safe and, you know, busy as well, I guess. And so you guys went away and had a chat about what to do and you did, you know, you, ha you closed the restaurant for a period of time. Was there a contemplation of not opening again? Mm -hmm. or was it, that was just never, never really a thing that you'd think about? Yeah, I think there was, there was a bit of a discussion about that. And, um, I think every venue and every business is, um, is different, but I think for us, we work so much anyway. Um, I don't think that we could shut and not do anything. Um, I think for all of our mental health as well, we all wanted to keep busy and, and make sure um, that we were doing something so that we were mentally stable. But as well from a business perspective, um, we are a brand and we, we, we don't know how long this is going to go for um, and how long if we shut, we're going to shut for. So we want to make sure that we're still kind of present in people's minds and, and don't become invisible. I guess. <laughs> One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys was that my dining experience the first time I ate there was arguably the best meal that I had that year in a restaurant. <laughs> and I guess the reason I wanted to talk to you is that when this happened, you guys would have had to make the decision of how can we replicate that in a takeaway sense or what are we going to do? You know, mm. what, what are some of the things you looked at in, you know, just, just sort of turning to takeaway is one thing, but how did you transfer what you presented as pilot to the takeaway market? Mm, I think um, we were all kind of chatting about it. We were like, what do we do? Do we rename it? Do we, um, do we keep it as pilot? Uh, then Ross came up with Pilot Presents, so it's kind of like a take on our brand, but we're doing something like a little bit different. Um, and then in terms of like the menu development, Mal and Barrier, definitely the the people behind that we kind of just said you can cook whatever you want and I think for them because there's no restrict well there is restrictions in terms of like what's going to travel well they've and they've never worked in takeaway before I'm just so proud and impressed by <laughs> what they did in in a week's time by changing the entire menu um but we kind of were just like what do we like to eat um let's kind of do like cheeky versions of those things like um Barry's from the Netherlands and, and chips and satay sauce is just a thing that he is obsessed with. So we <laughs> had to put that on there. Potato scallops, of course. Um, Mal makes an amazing congee, so that's pretty fun. So we, we've been changing it quite a lot uh, and just thinking about 
interesting things that we can do and like little cheeky takes on uh, what you would get from like a takeaway shop, I guess, which is pretty fun. And, and on weekends as well, you're doing like a, a Sunday night dinner pack or something like that. Is that right? That it's kind of decided by you guys on the day? Yeah. Um, so it's a bit freestyle at the moment. We are, <laughs> we are working on trying to be a bit more, <laughs> a bit more organized with that. Um, but we're learning, um, never done takeaway. Um, yeah. So we were like, how do we, how do we kind of do something that's a little bit more similar to what we were doing as a restaurant, um, a full experience, a full dinner pack, uh, using, uh, produce that we are excited by. Um, yeah, so that's, that's up to Mal every week and, and he designs a menu. So he does like a little shared entree, a main course and, uh, and we're using Frugi for dessert, which is pretty fun as well. Um, just because we want to support local, we're getting so much support. So, um, we definitely don't want to miss out on Frugi ice cream, which is a local uh, <laughs> ice cream shop. So we have to make sure that we, we buy their ice cream as well. <laughs> what surprised you about this whole COVID-19 experience? Um, personally, I did not think that I would be as, um, as affected as I am. Um, I think as someone that works on the floor and I'm sure that there's so many other people in hospitality that feel this way. Um, I feel like my skills are not useful, I guess, in the same sense. Um, I can't serve people. I can't, um, run them through the menu and make their night. Um, I can sell bottles of wine to people in the shop and I'm definitely sure that I talk people's ear off <laughs> about like every wine that they're looking at <laughs> um, and what they should eat uh, when I get the chance. But yeah, I guess I really kind of missed that connection and I didn't realize how lucky I was and how much I loved that job until it wasn't my job anymore, I guess. Um, but I still am very lucky. Like I'm so happy that we have been able to adapt and I'm I'm very proud of what we're doing, but I definitely do miss service a lot. Why did you get into hospitality? Can you tell us about the early days? Yeah, um, I guess like I've always, I mean, I've always loved to eat <laughs> and I've always loved to cook. My mum was a home ec teacher, so she taught me a lot um, in the kitchen, especially with bake all the time. Um, my dad's always been very experimental with cooking at home um, and restaurants were kind of always a special occasion thing in our house when it's your birthday you get to pick what restaurant you want to go to even if it's just like the um the thai restaurant down the road or if you want mum to cook dinner for you it's it it was always a really special thing um and i was just always so inspired by when we went somewhere how how controlled and how delicious and and the way that the waiters and everybody made you feel super comfortable in, in what might otherwise be an, un, like a, how do I say this? An uncomfortable environment. Yes. In a um, general sort of restaurant industry sense, you know, how long do you think this takeaway model is sustainable and, and how is, how is that ride of being a takeaway been for you guys? Uh, look, I think, I think we're going to just have to do it for as long as we 
have to. <laughs> um, I think that, uh, that I guess the thing that worries me is if it does go for a long time, will that novelty of everybody doing takeaway and being able to get takeaway from such great restaurants wear off? Um, if so, I think the hospitality industry is always adapting and we're always thinking about what people want and trying to 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 kind of do that as well as being creative and and making things work so i think yeah i think that we're just going to have to see how it goes and and adapt as as we go along like if people continue to to buy dinner packs and our takeaway trade goes down a little bit you know we'll have to reassess that are people um, are people coming into the restaurant and only buying bottles of wine? All right, how do we figure that out? I think um, I think when everything kind of starts to go back to to normal and and slowly, I'm sure that they'll slowly reopen restaurants and but there'll still be that social distancing. How do we make that work? Because we wouldn't be able to sustain a restaurant if we can only put twelve people in our dining room. So I think just thinking about all of those things and um, just adapting, which is what I feel like everybody everywhere has been doing for the past couple of weeks, I guess. Do you think this experience will change what you guys do on the other side of this pandemic? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think there's a lot of things that we were thinking about doing as a restaurant, but were a bit concerned about if people would would still come or like us or, um, you know, would they still support us if we did these things? And I think from the amount of community support we've received over the past couple of weeks, people believe in us and they like what we're doing and it is so mind-blowing, <laughs> the amount of people that have continued to support us and it... Um, so I think being it kind of instills this confidence in you that maybe I am doing the right thing. <laughs> um, maybe people do like what we're doing and, and we should just have a bit more confidence in, and do what we like because they trust us. I was just going to say how important have the local community been in that sense for you guys? You know, obviously they're supporting you, but is there much more to it than that? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think there's people that... Uh, part of our regular customer base who have been getting takeaway once or twice a week, which is just insane. But I think even just like people in the hospitality community around Canberra or friends and family that come in and they might not even buy anything, but they just come in and say hi and ask you how you are. And you don't realize that how much that kind of helps you, you mentally, um, when you get that kind of support and I've never been a, um, I've always been, um, pretty on top of my mental health and never, um, super upset about anything. And, um, I think, yeah, having people coming in and asking you how you are and having a bit of a chat about it and, and affirming to you that like, you're going to be okay. And, and what you're doing is, is all right is, is so important almost more important than the coming in and buying things. <laughs> what are you missing from restaurants at the moment? 
everything. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I miss going to them. I really miss working in one. Um, I'm very grateful that I can still go to work every day and, and we can still all work together. And, and even though it's a different environment, we're still there. But um, I think the sad thing about what's going to happen is a lot of people might not open and, and I just, I guess I just miss the experience, the, like the whole excitement of, oh, you know, following someone, um, following a chef or a restaurant and from when they open to, to actually being there and experiencing that is just something that is exciting. Sharing a bottle of wine with your friends for celebrating something at a certain point. Um, there's just something about restaurants that are, are really exciting and they're also really fun, um, which I really miss. I think you're not alone in missing restaurants. Do you think that this whole experience, the, the fact that, you know, something's been taken away from us, that when it's opened up again, do you think we'll see restaurants in a new light? And, what, and what, how do you see restaurants after the pandemic? I think everybody, not just hospitality workers, will... Um, will be super excited to, to get back out there. And I don't think that um, many people realised how much they probably um, ate out. I think even just things like, not even just like the premium restaurants, just going to, you know, a beer garden and having a beer and things like that is um, is something that was in most people's, you know, daily or weekly lives, which is, is very exciting. But... I think a great thing to come out of this is there's such a huge feeling of support and community. It is quite a um, it is quite a um, competitive industry, and I think after all this, we can all just like high five and shake hands and and be like, yeah, we survived it. Of course, there's going to be some people that that don't, and that's a bit sad. But for those of us that have been through it and supported each other, I think there's just going to be a huge party at the end, and it's going to be the an experience. Restaurants being open you know, is obviously important for producers and suppliers um, who are sort of forgotten about a lot at the moment and they're really hurting. You know, what do you think has been the overall impact on producers? I think this is another reason kind of why we, why we wanted to stay open. I think that they're, they're hurting um, quite badly. I mean, like there's so many restaurants that have had to close or us that have, um, you know, there's certain things that we can't buy because we can't, um, we can't spend that money or it might not travel well. So, um, yeah, I definitely think there's a huge, huge impact on, on producers and, and all we can do is kind of try and support them as best we can. And, um, even in our dinner packs, we, I write, we write like a little, um, a little note about what they're eating and where it's from and we use Brightside Produce which is a little farm out at Captain's Flat um, and they do weekly produce boxes so we kind of like give them a little plug there um, and any way that we can we kind of um, try and support them even if it's not by buying everything that they have but we can definitely talk about where things come from and encourage other people to do the same I guess. Where do you find your uh, source of hope in this and, what, and you know, what advice could you give to other young 
professionals out there who, you know, might might have been on the verge or are on the verge at some stage in the near future of opening their own restaurant, um, like you've done. Um, what advice would you give to them? Um, I think just believing in your um, in your idea and your concept and having the balls to do it because I feel like that's a lot of things that that's a a thing that stops a lot of people from doing things is um, not feeling like they're capable. But um, I think everybody is if you just go ahead and do it. Um, I also think just being able to listen and reflect. When we opened our um, our restaurant, all we did was just ask people that were smarter and more experienced with us, you know, if we could do it and they just kept saying yes, so then we just kept doing what we were doing, I guess. Um, so I think, yeah, just being able to, to, to ask the right questions and nothing's ever too silly, I guess, because I know that I've asked a lot of um, a lot of people questions that I thought that I might, um, you know, might make me look silly, but there's so many things that you need to know, particularly when you own a business. Like, I guess you become everything to that venue. <laughs> The plumber. (laughs) (laughs) The cleaner. Dash, it's been great. Listen, can you keep in touch? Let us know how you go with the, uh, especially when the dinner packs evolve further. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and, um, stay safe and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Huck. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Stay safe, isolate and be well.